Fellas, what up? Welcome to episode 21.2 of the MFHT cast. I am, of course, the Commish, and we are, as always, brought to you and sponsored by Vicious Mosquito IPA from our friends in Sun River Brewing, Sun River, Oregon, God's country. We love it over there. Cheers, guys. Happy Wednesday. Sorry about the pauses while I take little sips. You know, uh, no cough button here. No fancy recording equipment, no uh, no recording studio, just a middle-aged dude sitting in his bathroom, drinking a beer, talking to himself. Um, all right, on our agenda for tonight and kind of how run a show is going to work for the year, we'll have a little league business. Uh, we will take a look at the main league. We'll take a look at the side league. I might add a little bit of commentary on some other things that I see happening in the NFL or things that are just kind of on my mind. And that is actually where I want to start tonight. As you guys know, I am by um, a a sad turn of events, a Bears fan, um, which sucks, but it is what it is. And as I think some of you know, uh, I am not a huge fan of their head coach, Matt Nagy. Uh, I think he is... um, one of these NFL coaches that is kind of all about himself, like all ego, like all about my scheme, got to find the players to fit, like is more enamored with his own ability to, to draw up plays on the whiteboard than he is actually actually putting together a, a game plan that's going to win uh, week in, week out. And obviously they are bereft of talent, particularly at the quarterback position or have been. Um Traditionally, and, um, you know, that hamstrings a coach quite a bit. But so I'll cut him a little bit of slack there, of course. But I think the thing that that bothers me the most about Matt Nagy is listening to him talk after games. Um, For example, um, Sunday night football, unsurprisingly, the Bears got completely dusted by the Rams, just embarrassed in all three phases of the game. And his comments after the game were, we're happy with where our offense is at. His offense that scored 14 points. We're happy with where our offense is at. I believe they averaged the lowest play, the lowest yards per play of any team in the NFL in week one. But we're, we're happy with that, okay? But the thing that bothers me the most about what he, the way he talks in press conferences is just this kind of around and around, like using a lot of words to say a whole lot of nothing. It's just a bunch of word salad. And then... What he'll do at the end of a statement that he thinks is like really important or he's really proud of himself or something is he'll add the phrase and we understand that. So he'll use some lame ass sports cliche like it's a long season and then say and we understand that. And it's sort of like his way of like saying uh, like I agree with myself, right? Like I just said something really smart. I want you to know it's really smart. And it's, it's kind of this verbal cue of like, there's no take backsies. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. It's just sort of like, whatever I said, it's out there. It's final. We understand that. So what I've realized, though, is I need to kind of let this go. Instead of being angry about it, instead of being annoyed by it, I just need to embrace it. I need to start using this at work. Like, no, you can't take a vacation day on the first day of class. And we understand that. You know, things like that. Like, I think it's, I think it's great. I'm going to start using it. So, so there you go. Cheers, cheers to Matt Nagy for giving me something that I can use uh, for practical purposes in real life. So, hang on one second here. Sip time. 
All right, rant over. Thank you for giving me that moment. A little bit of league business. Um, so we had our first side league action of, of the year running the financials on the side, running through Venmo. That worked, I think, flawlessly. I hope everybody um, has the link and was able to see the Google Sheet and see where I'm tracking everything. You know, full transparency. I want to make sure that that everything is above board. And you guys know, like, math is not my strong suit. So if I cock something up, please let me know um, along the way. But overall, I think it was great. Everybody got me their buy-ins. People got paid. Went all around. Uh, on the main league side, I am still looking for buy-ins from a few guys you guys know who you are. I'm not going to put you on blast this week. Um, but if you still owe me your main league buy-in after we were not able to do it uh, through the website, please get that to me ASAP. 25 bucks gets you into the main league. Don't think there's anything else as far as league business goes. We don't have any field trips set up just yet. Um, any viewing parties, anything like that. But that will certainly come as we get deeper into the season. Um, I hope. Anyways, we'll see. I don't know. I mean... I don't know if going into Claudia's is going to like automatically give you COVID or prevent you from getting COVID. Um, but I feel like one way, one way or the other, there's some mojo there at Claudia's and we should probably take advantage of it as the season wears on. And with that, I would like to transition us to taking a look at the comings and goings in our main league in week one. And kind of the way that I want to frame this up is... Week one is always full of surprises and it's also always full of overreactions because we've spent, at least those of us like me who obsess about the NFL offseason, months talking about what we think is going to happen. And then some of it happens, some of it doesn't happen, um, but we now have some actual information to work off of as opposed to just speculation. And the challenge on the back end of week one is figuring out what, what do we see in week one that's real and what do we see that's a bit of a mirage? Like, what do we really genuinely need to be worried about or concerned about if it didn't go well? What can we genuinely be excited about if it did go well? And where do we maybe need to temper expectations on both sides? So I'm going to take a look at our uh, week one matchups and, and rosters that people put together um, and kind of think about it from that framework. But, you know, regardless, whatever happens in week one is not necessarily predictive of what's going to happen in week two and beyond. And we understand that. Um, so I want to start with the matchup between Rob and Tyser. Uh, Rob posting a, a lowly 73.22 points, um, which is a pathetic score in any fantasy scoring system and making hang his head in shame. Tyser eking out the win with 95.3, which isn't great. I mean, it's not even really good, but uh, you know, Caught a good break uh, catching Rob in his first matchup. Um, a couple things on Rob's side. You know, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, with a clunker. Uh, they lost 38-3. to Calvin Ridley, um, who I talked about last week as being a pick that I really liked, started out the game really hot. He got three receptions on the first drive of the, of the game, and it looked like it was going to just be a smash. And then he didn't really do a whole lot from there. I think he only had two more receptions from there on out. Uh, Zeke Elliott. 5.9 points um, in that great Thursday night game between the Cowboys and the Bucks, And this was a really tough spot for Zeke. Um, you know, the, the, the Bucks are a brick wall up front and the Cowboys used him a lot in pass protection and he was very effective in that role. I mean, he, I, 
I actually think even though even though Zeke did not have a good statistical game, I actually think he had a very good real life fantasy football game or fa- real life football game. Just didn't doesn't translate to fantasy. Um, Kyle Pitts, uh, the the tight end for uh, the Falcons, who I talked about last week, his usage was really good. He played a ton of snaps, and as we talked about last week, played a lot of them in the slot or out wide. So you know, I'd be encouraged by that if I were uh, Rob. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to score two points every week. Calvin Ridley isn't going to score nine points every week. Zeke is obviously going to um, have bigger games than this. So, you know, I think I think the one mistake that Rob did make was he started Zach Moss in the flex um, when it was known that Zach Moss was going to be a healthy scratch 90 minutes before kickoff. Um, and that came up to, to bite a few of us. I'll talk more about that as we go. Um, could have started Jamal Williams in his place. The other thing that I'll note about Rob's roster that I think more so than those guys putting up really dud performances that that would concern me a little bit is that he has both DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, who as individual players, I I like both of them. Um, DJ Moore, six receptions for 80 yards. Uh, Robbie Anderson, uh, 57 receiving yards, touchdown. Uh, You know, nice games for both of them. The problem is, is that in that offense, there's only there's only one ball to go around, right? And you've got CMC, and now you've got Terrace Marshall in the mix, too. And so I think what you might expect are a lot of weeks like this where they both put up good scores, but neither one puts up great scores. And in the weeks where one does put up a great score, like if DJ Moore has 25 points or 30 points, it's probably coming at the expense of Robbie Anderson's production. So, you know, I think you're going to be hard-pressed most weeks to get 40 combined points from these guys. You might be able to do that in weeks where the game just goes completely ham and it's a really back and forth game. Um, It shoots out and everybody gets off like in that Dallas Tampa Bay game. But, you know, for Carolina, those games are going to be few and far between. So anyways, um, I feel like I need to move on. I feel like I've spent way too much time talking about a team that put up 73 points. I just think it's a really, a really interesting sort of case study because you have all these talented players that, you know, the percentage of time that they're going to put up these total dud scores in the same week has to be really, really low. So bummer of a way to start off for Rob, but I think there are uh, better days ahead. Um, on Tice's side and the other side of this matchup, um, he got caught up, first of all, with the the whole issue um, with the 49ers um, not playing Brandon Ayuk or playing Trey Sermon, who I'll talk about later. Um, so he took the zero from Brandon Ayuk uh, and then... He also has the Tannehill AJ Brown stack, which you know going into the season you got to feel really good about. That Tennessee offense just looked lost um, on Sunday, and you know AJ Brown did catch a touchdown pass, so that's good. But boy, um, that looked pretty rough. The good news is is that they're not going to have to play Chandler Jones uh, again this year, and hopefully they can kind of pull themselves together with their pass protection and get that offense going because there's obviously a lot of talent there. Other things for Tice that I see, uh, 23 points from Nick Chubb. You know, Nick Chubb is one of those guys where he's going to rely on efficiency and and his scoring is going to come through rushing touchdowns, which he got two of this week. So you love that. Um, Devontae Smith had a really nice uh, debut performance, caught a touchdown pass, looked great. Um, And then he got kind of dud score, not kind of, he got dud scores from Najee Harris, James Robinson, and Mark Andrews. And... 
Of those three guys, I'm not worried about Najee Harris or Mark Andrews. The usage was really good on both of them. I mean, Najee Harris played 100% of the snaps for the Steelers. I mean, I talked about my concerns last week with the Steelers' offense over the course of the season, but if you're going to play 100% of the snaps as a, as a running back, kind of doesn't matter how good your offense is. You're going to find your way into fantasy production um, over the course of the year. So not worried about him. Not worried about Mark Andrews. James Robinson... Um, is a concern for a couple reasons. Um, they, that team is, is the Jacksonville Jags are a mess for, for a lot of reasons their head coach being first and foremost among them. Um, but also this insistence on making sure that Carlos Hyde gets his and, um, what made James Robinson so great last year was not only that you were able to either get him off the waiver wire or very late in the draft. I can't quite remember, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he was a waiver wire pickup, um, and he had the whole backfield all to himself. So it was like, no matter what the game situation was, they were going to run the ball with him. He was going to be involved in the passing game, et cetera. That's not the case anymore. And Urban Meyer seems to be doing weird stuff. I would be concerned um, about James Robinson's usage and a role in that offense going forward. Um, but again, for both of those guys, I think there are some things that um, you know didn't break their way in week one. But again, not necessarily predictive of, of what's to come in week two. All right, next matchup I want to look at is Powerfinger Bettis versus Dim Mac. Eric uh, Bettis won this one, 137 to 96. Let's take a look at Eric's roster first. Hey, Jalen Hurts had a great first game. Gotta love that. 33 points. Um, Eric, you know, made the same mistake that Rob made with Zach Moss. He had Odell Beckham in his lineup, uh, and it was known before the game started that that Beckham was not going to be playing. That was a late game, so I don't know if Eric had another option to go to um, or not. Um, also got caught with the um, the horrible game that the Packers had. He only got three points from Aaron Jones. So I think that's one that you just chalk up as like, hey, that's a one-off. Um Mike Evans had a four game, 4.9 points. I, I wouldn't be too worried there. Um, Robert Woods, 11 points. He'll have bigger games than that. Uh, Tyler Boyd, five points. He'll have bigger games than that. So overall, you know, I feel pretty good if I were Eric. Um, it, you know, it's bad way to start the season. But overall, I think there's a lot to like still on this roster. Um, on the other side with Bettis, um, let's see. So Austin Eckler had a really nice real life game that didn't super translate into fantasy production. Um, Bettis's biggest score was Rob Gronkowski, two touchdowns, 90, 90 yards. Um, you're not going to get that every week out of him. Of course, Lamar had 20 points. DK had 15 points. Cooper cup had 24 points. Um, great game for him. That long touchdown, of course. Um, so Bettis had a lot of um, kind of middle of the road scores with with a couple big scores mixed in. And, you know, on a week like this, that was enough enough to win. And some weeks are just going to be like that. You know, some like the games this week, the actual NFL games weren't actually very good overall. Um, the the Cowboys Tampa Bay game was awesome. The Sunday night game with um, or sorry, it was the Monday night game with the Ravens and, and the Raiders ended up being awesome. Um, the Kansas City Cleveland game was awesome. The rest of them were kind of like, nah, whatever. They didn't really live up to the hype. And some weeks are just going to be like that. And we understand that. And, you know, that's going to get you 137 points. It'll get you to victory. So good job, Bettis. All right, hang on one sec. Vicious time. Man, that's good. 
Okay, hold up, where am I here? Next matchup I wanna look at is me and Colmer. Um, Thursday night, this matchup started out in a way that was just absolutely pristine for me. Um, I had Amari Cooper going in that shootout with Dallas and Tampa Bay. He got me 37 points. On the other side, Colmer had Ronald Jones who fumbled and didn't see the field again afterwards and took a negative 1.6. So I'm going into the weekend with an almost 40 point lead and somehow, somehow find my way into a loss. Um, first thing that happened um, that, that kind of set me back was the Trey Sermon news. So I took Trey Sermon in the sixth round. Uh, I'm, I, I was bullish on him going into the draft. I remain bullish on him um, for the season. But the 49ers decided to sit him going into week one. They were, you know, apparently planning to, to ride uh, Raheem Mostert. He got hurt. The rookie Elijah Mitchell ends up getting all the work in that game, um, which was disappointing to me because, you know, you figure a running back going against the Lions is just a total Yahtzee. So I had to play rookie Javante Williams at running back two, which I didn't love. He had a good real life game. Uh, 15 touches, was productive, but didn't translate into fantasy production. Likewise, my other running back, Antonio, a.k.a. Tony Gibson, Really nice real-life game. Didn't get in the end zone and only got me 11 points. Um, the next disappointing thing for me with with uh, with my roster was Jerry Judy, um, who I drafted in the fifth round. And, and I'm really bummed about this because I was, I was actually really excited about this draft pick. He had seven targets before halftime. Ends up getting hurt. High ankle sprain. He was on his way to a really big day. Um, so that was disappointing. The big thing that really cost me in this game was, you know, I talked about last week. I ran the strategy of... Um, because I missed out on the high-end quarterbacks, I held and I drafted Justin Fields, knowing that I would need a bridge quarterback between now and when Fields becomes a starter. So the guy that I picked was Matt Ryan, and I was pretty happy about that, thinking that in week one, the Atlanta-Philadelphia matchup was one of the better matchups on paper, and he was poised to have a, a, you know, a good fantasy score. Um, so not so much. He started out okay, and then their offense just fizzled out. And I'm not really sure what happened, but he only got me 8.3 points. Justin Fields on my bench, who played five snaps, got me seven and a half points. So that is not ideal. And that is really, that and the, and the negative one that I took from Green Bay's defense, yeesh, that actually um, was kind of the difference. Colmer ended up beating me by uh, 13 points. So a decent score from my quarterback there, and, and I'm right there with him. On Colmer's side... You know, of course, I talked about last week how I think spending a second round pick on Patrick Mahomes is is a little too rich. And then, of course, Patrick Mahomes goes out and drops 41 points on me, um, which is just clutch. It's like every year I talk about what I like and what I don't like in the draft. And then like immediately the guys that I say that I don't like just go absolutely nuts. Um, it, it, it happens every year. Uh, but, you know, we understand that. Um, the other thing going for Colmer, Adam Thielen caught two touchdowns, which is great. 28 points. Um, and then Darren Waller just had that monster, monster Monday night game where he had like eight targets in the first quarter. I think he ended up with 19 targets, uh, on the game, ended up with 105 yards, 10 receptions and a touchdown. Colmer also noted that his, um, his backup tight end, Tyler Higby, had a really nice game. Four, four receptions, 68 yards, five first down, or five receptions, four for first down, 68 yards. You do not need a backup tight end if you have Darren Waller. Just, just going to throw that out there. But anyways, good win for Colmer. All right. Let's see where we are here. 
Got a couple, couple few more to get here, get through here, boys. Next up, service the bottom dwellers took down Barsodi. A little bit of a rough beat for Barsodi, scoring 147 points. Let's take a take a look at his roster. Kyler Murray, monster day. Got to be happy with what you saw from him in that offense. Um, and got to be happy to have him as your quarterback uh, riding into the season. Really nice. Um, we talked about last week. Barsodi kind of lucked into Christian McCaffrey um, when he didn't get taken at the top. Um, he had nine receptions and 89 yards receiving on top of 98 yards rushing. He didn't even have a touchdown and he still scored 27 fantasy points. I mean, that's what I was saying last week. It's like with CMC, you get a starting running back and you get a starting receiver. You just can't beat it. Um, David Montgomery, um, who I also said last week, I thought was, uh, maybe taken a little bit too early, had a really nice game, broke off a long run early in the game, uh, scored a touchdown later in the game. And he's a guy that looks like he's, you know, he looks like a good running back. Um, I think one of the things that is maybe a bit of a mirage about this performance is the way the, the Rams were playing, they were basically playing five and six man boxes the whole game and basically saying, all right, Bears, go ahead and run the ball on us. You're not going to beat us by having to march the ball down the field. And that's the way a lot of NFL, like I think a lot of smart NFL defenses are playing right now. Um, and so, you know, good score for Montgomery. Um, he's got the Bengals coming up next week. I think that's an at home. That's another good spot for him. I would expect some good production again from him. But I think he's going to be a kind of guy who's a little bit more uh, game flow dependent um, and they'll be able to take advantage of it when defenses want to play them like that. But like, I guess the Browns in week three, um, I'd be pretty concerned about him, but you know, not going to catch a good matchup every week. And, and we understand that. Um, Justin Jefferson did not have a great game uh, for Barsotti. Julio Jones had a dud of a game, like all of the Titans. And that was really the difference for him. You know, those two, Receivers that you're looking for to, to really carry your receiver production just didn't come through for him. So even though he had some nice scores in other spots, didn't pan out. On the other side, for service, the bottom dwellers, 151.76. Great week for service, by the way. He gets a win in the main league, takes down the side league, which we'll talk about in a few. Um, yeah, really nice from, from his just kind of up and down the roster. Um, big score from Russ Wilson. 33 points. Also got 33 points from Debo Samuel. Nine receptions, 189 yards and a touch. Um, I got to be honest, that kind of came out of nowhere for me. Um, Debo was not a guy who has been kind of high on my radar in the offseason. But, you know, hey, it's against the Lions. Like, anybody can get off against the Lions. Um, so, and, you know, I really like the way Service's roster is set up where he's got Terry McLaurin, CeeDee Lamb, Chase Claypool and Debo, like that's a lot of explosive um, talent uh, at, at the wide receiver positions. Pair that with Dalvin Cook and Josh Jacobs, who, you know, I'm not high on Josh Jacobs overall, but as your RB2, cool, you know. Um, really like the way Services roster sets up um, at the start of the season. Okay, I'm going to keep us moving here a little bit. Sorry, guys, if, if, if I took the time and if I had any clue how to do it, I would edit out these little pauses where I'm moving around on, on the website and taking sips of my beer. But, you know, hey, we keep it authentic here. Two more to get through. Nuts um, took down Tim, a.k.a. Falco, 165 to 134. Pretty, pretty big beatdown. On Tim's side, 
Tim has the Josh Allen, Steph Diggs stack, which, you know, when we think about is week one predictive, do we need to worry about, do we need to not worry about, I would personally not worry too much about the Josh Allen, Steph Diggs stack um, combining for 34 and a half or yeah, about 34 points is probably going to be about the low. The, that's probably going to be about their low point for the year. Um, most weeks we can expect quite a bit more than that. Um, his other receivers, Michael Pittman Jr., Rondale Moore didn't really produce. Um, it, Tim took Gus Edwards. Is that his last? Gus Edwards uh, in the draft, and he obviously got hurt. Tim was smart, picked up Tyson Williams, but that's going to be a shared backfield. Um, and then you've got Taylor and Indianapolis. You know, those are both split backfields to some extent. Naheem Hines is going to factor in up there. And then Daryl Henderson in the flex. Um, all nice, decent scores there, but nobody really popped off. And that's, you know, you're going to get that. We understand that, that that's going to happen from time to time. But, you know, overall, I think there's some nice pieces there on Tim's roster. Nuts got a huge score out of Dak. Nice score out of, I mean... I love this setup for nuts at um, the receiver position. DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Corey Davis as his wide receiver three. I think Corey Davis at the end of the sixth round was one of the sharpest picks um, in the draft by nuts. Love that. Uh, Alvin Kamara did not have a big day for nuts. DeAndre Swift did. You know, DeAndre Swift is a guy that I was not big on coming into the draft. And maybe, you know, I should have should have thought about this differently Given the way their receiver core sets up, he's going to catch a ton of passes for them. And that's going to add up, even though he's going to, you know, their offense is going to suck. He's not going to score a ton of touchdowns because they're not going to be a very efficient, effective offense. Um, DeAndre Swift is going to catch a ton of passes in garbage time. And, and when Jared Goff is checking down. So, you know, uh, I like it for nuts. One bad beat for nuts is that Michael Gallup, his flex wide receiver got hurt. Um, and that's a little bit rough. And I like Logan Thomas as his tight end. Rough that um, Fitzpatrick got hurt. For those of us who have um, football team skill players, Logan Thomas, Tara McLaurin, and, and myself, uh, Tony Gibson, the, the Fitzpatrick injury hurts. Um, not sure hurt, I'm not sure how much it hurts just yet. Um, but, you know, injuries happen, and, you know, we understand that. One more to go here. Bartley, scrubs and scrubs, taking down Darren Bartley with a big score on the week, 175.86. Uh, started off hot with the Brady AB stack um, for a combined 60 points. Love that. Tyree Kill showed out, of course. Allen Robinson did not have a good game, but gosh, you got to love that setup at wide receiver. Bartley, as we talked about last week, went with the wide or went with the running back heavy build. Um, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt, and got really good production out of them. Joe Mixon with the twenty-eight point game. Miles Sanders and Kareem Hunt each get sixteen. So you, you love to see that if you're Bartley. Um, I talked about last week how the top of the second round, I was kind of undecided between Antonio Gibson. Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, and to some extent, Saquon Barkley. I think with the first three of those guys, you know, it could, it would not surprise me one bit if Mixon or Najee Harris ends up scoring, outscoring Antonio Gibson on the season. I mean, I think that's well within the range of, uh, of, of potential outcomes, kind of in the meaty part of the bell curve, in fact. Um, but I think in general, you know, I, I, no regrets. Like, I think all three of those are fine picks. You're just kind of picking which one to, do do I think is is the one that I want to roll with? Um, 
But I think if you're Bartley, you know, you got to be thrilled with this Joe Mixon outcome. He goes to Chicago next week. He should shred them. They look like they... Honestly, they look like after one week, they are ready to go hit the golf course in the offseason because they know their season is not going to do jack shit. Um, Darren, you know, this is one of those things that's that's interesting about fantasy. Darren rolls out Justin Herbert, has 337 yards passing, but only scores 18 fantasy points because he only have one passing touchdown. So, um, you know, that will come around. Uh, Justin Herbert looked awesome. He'll have bigger days. No worries there. Devontae Adams, 8.6 points. We talked about the Packers. He'll have bigger days. No worries there. Um, one of the things that really hurt Darren was I uh, started uh, Raheem Mostert at RB2. He was on his, I mean, it's the Lions. He was going to have a huge game. So that sucks for Darren. Wouldn't have been enough to make up the difference there um, with Bartley. Uh, Bartley obviously had a huge game. But, you know, I... I with Darren, what this is going to come down to right now is is going to be a little bit of roster management here at that RBT spot. Um, George Kittle at tight end, you know, he's going to have bigger days than 11.3, but it's not a high volume passing offense. And so we'll have to see how that plays out um, for George Kittle there in San Francisco. Hang on one second here, guys. Okay. So that is our... Week one, main league recap. We're on to week two. Those of us who took the L's in week one really need to pull ourselves together. Those of us who, those of you, I should say, who were fortunate enough to pull to, pull together a win, um, you know, keep it rolling. All right, side league action. Hang on just one sec. I thought I had this pulled up, but... Pisses me off every time I go into DraftKings and it tells me my location is restricted and I can't play for money anymore. Like, I know that, assholes. I'm just, like, trying to do the best I can here. All right. So, as I mentioned, week one was not a great week for NFL football um, across the league, or at least the, you know, most of the matchups. And, you know, one of the things that we've seen in... The side league is that when chaos reigns, service wins. And service wins because he just he makes lineups that the rest of us don't make. Um, so on his roster, he played Baker Mayfield at quarterback, 12%, which means he was the only one who played him. Tyler Lockett, 12%. Debo Samuel, 12%. DJ Chart, 12%. Noah Fant, 12%. Washington football team defense, 12%. His highest owned guys were Kamara, and Marvin Jones at 37.5%. So three got three of us went. So his lineup is really unique. Um, and when things that we expect to happen don't come to pass, if your lineup is unique, you're well possessioned, excuse me, you are well positioned to to win the 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 contest that you're playing in. And I think I said this last year, but I'll say it again now. Well, except it sucks because now we can't play for money. But if we ever can play for money again on DraftKings, Service should absolutely be playing DraftKings tournaments because the, the way that he builds lineups is, is really conducive to winning tournaments. So you win tournaments not when you pick the best players. You win tournaments when things that everybody thinks are going to happen don't end up happening. So going into week one on the main slate, people thought that, myself included, 
that the Tennessee-Arizona game was going to shoot out. It didn't. People thought the Philadelphia-Atlanta game was going to shoot out, but it didn't. And so if you just didn't play those two games as like kind of the primary pieces of your team, you were really well set up. There were also some cheap wide receivers that people really wanted to play, Marvin Jones being one of them, but also Marquez Callaway and Elijah Moore. Um, who I played, who, d- who didn't really do anything. And so if you were able to avoid those guys, you were, you were in a really good position. I and mean, Service put up 167.9. That's a really nice score um, given what happened um, during the games in week one. In second place, Golf Dude 77 That's my cousin Casey. I know some of you guys know him. He is new to our league this year, or new to the side league this year. He's played in our main league in past years, but it's been a while. Um, Casey lives up uh, near Tacoma in University Place. He is a Seahawks fan, so not unsurprisingly, plays the Russ DK stack that worked out just fine for him. Um, obviously, Russ Lockett would have worked out better, but you know DK was in a really good spot going in. Played Kamara, played Miles Sanders, played Robbie Anderson, Cole Beasley. I mean, these are all really good, uh, you know, really good plays. Um, Emmanuel Sanders. So we got a couple pieces of the Bills passing offense, which I really like. And then he also played Will Disley as a cheap punt tight end at 2,600. And I, you know, on this slate, I don't think you had to go cheap at tight end. But what I like about that is there is a a philosophy of correlating the tight end, which is if you're going to play a cheap tight end, just throw the one in that goes with your quarterback and hope he throws a touchdown to him. And you know, a lot of people were going to play um, Kyle Pitts at tight end this week, just the way the pricing worked out. He was the most owned guy in our league um, at 62%. So five of the eight of us played Kyle Pitts at tight end, but he only scored seven points. And so that doesn't bury you. So Casey got six out of Will Disley, you know, like that's a total win for Casey right there. A um, couple things I just want to note. Go, I'm going to go through this real quickly. Um, Colmer came in third. Um, you know, he played Derrick Henry. Um, Derrick Henry is, he's such a hard play on DraftKings because DraftKings is full point PPR scoring, which I can't remember if our league, our main league is a PPR league or not. I hope someone can help me out with that, but it's, it's a full point PPR scoring. So a guy like Derrick Henry doesn't typically set up well on DraftKings, but we've all seen what he can do with these ridiculous 200 yard games. Um, and so sometimes it just works out really well to play him. This was obviously not one of those weeks. Um, I'm going to come back to my lineup. And I came in fourth. I'm going to come back to my lineup because I have a few thoughts that I want to close on. Um, nuts punted off at quarterback when Sam Darnold. Um, you know, I thought about going cheap at quarterback. The nice thing about going cheap at quarterback is it allows you to stuff in, in Nuts's case, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, and Alvin Kamara and not really have to sacrifice too much in other places. Um, but on this slate where we had Mahomes, we had Kyler Murray, we had uh, Josh Allen, uh, we had um, Justin Herbert, you know, I think, and of course, Jalen Hurts, who I, who I think was actually probably the best quarterback play, um, all things considered. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's tough to win with a guy like, uh, with, um, with a guy like Sam Darnold. Sorry. Tice, I, I love I love Tice uh, in, with this roster construction. Going Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown stack, just doubling down 
and uh, James Robinson and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith just fully doubling down on his main league lineup. Just like, I'm going to play all the dudes that are on my main league team. And if they stoke me in the main league, they'll stoke me in the side league too. Um, didn't quite work out that way, but uh, I, I, I love the thought process. Bartley coming in seventh place. Uh, played Raheem Mostert. That obviously, he was basically drawn dead there. Played Justin Jefferson, who I think was a good play, just didn't work out. Um, DeAndre Hopkins was his biggest score there. Jags D for minus three. I mean, dude, what a what a disaster for the Jags defense and just team as a whole to go in and play this JV squad that the Houston Texans are rolling out and just get boat raced. I mean, just what an embarrassment that was. Rounding out in eighth place was Tim. Also played Raheem, so that's dead. Also played James Robinson, Marquez Callaway, Brandon Ayuk for zero points, Michael Pittman Jr. for zero uh, for five point nine points. Bills, I mean, just a lot of a lot of icicles here on Tim's squad, guys. Like, uh, there will be better days, Tim. Better luck next time. Fortunately, we get to do this seventeen more times, plus Thanksgiving, plus the playoffs, so it's all good. Um, all right, I'm going to finish out by talking about my squad. So. One of the things that I heard on a podcast that I was listening to last week is as you're building your your main roster, what you want to be thinking about is because there's such good, cheap wide receiver value this week, you want to think about playing three of the, the following five players. Three of Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, Calvin Ridley. So I went with CMC, Dalvin Cook, and Calvin Ridley. I played Jalen Hurts at quarterback and Kyle Pitts at tight end, which those were kind of the consensus QB and tight end plays. Excuse me. Hang on one second. Fading here, boys. Um, And then cheap wide receivers. Marvin Jones, Elijah Moore, Marquez Callaway. Jags D. This was not too far off, um, but for a couple couple plays um, from what was considered you know, potentially an optimal lineup construction for this week. And one of the things that I've learned about the side league is that I don't win when I do that. Um, I don't win when I try to be too perfect and too like in line with what the industry experts are saying you should do. I win the side league when I build in a certain way uh, and, and, and I I follow a process that works for me and, and, and that's what I'm going to start doing. And, and, and I understand that. Um, so what that process is for me and, and, and and I'm just going to, I'm just going to like kind of foreshadow exactly how I'm going to build my side league lineups for the rest of the season. This is exactly what I'm going to do for the next 17 weeks plus Thanksgiving plus the playoffs. I'm going to start with a game that I want to stack. I'm going to play a quarterback and a wide receiver from one team and a wide receiver or a tight end from another team and maybe another guy or two if I can stuff them in there. I'm just going to figure out whichever game I think is going to have the most fantasy production and I'm going to build a lineup around that. From there, I'm going to stuff in the best running back play I could find. Most weeks, that's going to be Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is the perfect fantasy football player for DraftKings. From there, because I will have spent all my money, I'm going to play two cheap-ass wide receivers, a cheap-ass tight end, and the cheapest defense I could find that I think is actually playable. And I'm just going to do that every single week between now and the end of the season. 
And, and look, I'm not going to win every week doing that. I understand that. But what that does do is that gives me a ceiling. And if I hit the right game, then it's just one less thing. That's not one less thing. It's like three less things that I have to get right. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to see if I can win the side league like four times this year doing that. Just one out of four. Just like Montana to Rice, deep in Tecmo, one out of four times it's going to work. So that's my strategy. I've just laid it out for you. That's what I'm going to do. Um, look for it. Expect it. All right. That is more than enough for tonight. We're 40 minutes in. Um, and I'm only one beer in. And I'm losing my voice. So... That's all I got for tonight, fellas. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Um, you know, it's the best part about fantasy football is no matter what happened last week, it's a new week ahead. And we understand that. All right. Cheers, fellas.